As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Pod on the Time, your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne, and coming up on this week's show, Premier League football is back, and we'll be reacting to Newcastle accumulating a point against Spurs. We look ahead to the massive game of the weekend, and speak to The Athletic's Burnley rider Andy Jones ahead of the trip to Turf Moor. We'll open up the archives and take a trip down memory lane to 1998 when Newcastle took on Sheffield United in the FA Cup semi-final at Old Trafford. And after a little break, the great Newcastle United pub quiz is back. But before we get into all of that, hello, George Calkin, how are you? Yes, I'm okay, thank you, Taylor. How are you? I'm not too bad. I've got a bit of a croaky voice this week. Um, I've been a little bit under the weather. I've had the sniffles. Um, I've got. I'm doing a, a an approximation of Sean Dyche's voice for this podcast. So there we go. That's very good. Yeah, it's very good. Before we start, I would just like to. I don't want to set too much of a somber note, but I would like to say uh, kind of goodbye, I suppose, to a, a friend of ours, Richard Green, who was Ruffer's lawyer and very close friend, someone that Chris and I got to know during Rafa's time at Newcastle, a familiar figure on the touchline in front of the dugout after matches when we'd have a chat. Very sadly passed away at the end of last week. And yeah, really just wanted to sort of pay tribute to a fella who um, not only very professional at his job, but also incredibly friendly, very nice, um, very, very helpful. Um, And in football, sometimes you get one of those things or a couple of those things, you really get all those things put together. And someone that Chris and I also dealt with during Rafa's time as a columnist. We would see him in uh, in Merseyside. And yeah, very, very sad for Richard's family, obviously, and for his friends, but also for Owen Brown, Rafa's very close friend and associate. So we'd just like to say that we're thinking about all of them this week. And yeah, we'd like to dedicate this, this pod to them. Absolutely. Chris, how are you doing? Are you all right, mate? 
I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, I just want to echo what George said as well. But uh, I am also still trying to, in terms of from Newcastle United point of view, still trying to digest Sunday and, as you say, <laughs> the accumulation of a point, which was probably should have been more, but we will we will get into that. But I still can't quite work out how positive or negative I feel about it. Yeah, funny one, that, isn't it? You come away from a thing, and that's a good, solid point against Spurs, but it just it, it might not have been enough, depending on other results as well. Anyway, we'll get into all of that nonsense uh, in a little bit. Uh, but before we do, I've just got time to tell you about the latest offer from The Athletic. At the moment, uh, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of $3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. Uh, you'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad free versions of all of our podcasts. Chris and George, any good uh, articles, anything interesting coming up this week, Chris? Well, from the Spurs game, I sort of looked at exactly what changed and how sustainable it would be. So that piece is already up on the Athletic. And also the, the today, Tuesday, a piece has gone up with uh, our Arsenal writer, Arthur Roche, about basically looking at Joe Willock and his time so far on loan at Newcastle, how it's been going. Obviously, he he scored the equaliser later on after coming off the bench at the weekend. So there's definitely a couple of pieces that people should check out. George, how about you? Yes, well, I helped uh, Alan Shearer with a big interview with Scott Parker, which went up on Sunday morning. Obviously, quite timely in terms of uh, mm. you know the sort of competition with Newcastle. Um, not sure if Scott Parker will think it was timely, bearing in mind they lost. So, uh, so maybe yeah. that was a jinx. But he was very interesting. I mean, Scott. I thought Scott Parker was very interesting on the psychology of being in the the bottom three and sort of preparing his team to face that this season to become yeah. sort of comfortable with it. He talked about also his own use of psychology as a player. He said he first started to struggle a bit during the back end of his time at Newcastle. So it was very interesting to hear about that. And of course, you know, building up to that possible. Uh, relegation playoff at the end of the uh, at the end of the season with the game at Craven Cottage. So yeah. that was interesting. Chris and I are also both working uh, on pieces this week, um, which have a connection to the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Hopefully, we will speak about that uh, in depth uh, next week. Excellent stuff. So there you go. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and take advantage of the 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Right then, chaps. Let's have a look at that Spurs game. Um, Changing system, a return to five at the back. Strikers actually striking, which is a weird one. Uh, Newcastle eke out a point against Spurs in a game that I think a lot of people had written off as a as a, as a possibly a defeat. Uh, George, how did, how did you see this one? It was an interesting game, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought that I thought really after Brighton that Newcastle were done. I mean, I think that was my reaction coming back from from Brighton, and so for them to be able to sort of, you know, put in a performance like they did against Spurs, you know, I thought that was beyond them. If I'm being brutally honest, so yes. I'm happy to admit that I was, you know, that I was wrong about that, and it does feel sort of strange that it kind of seemed to come from nowhere obviously there was a change in formation which I'm sure sort of Chris will talk about having been there the other day but for me it was that sort of I think the overwhelming feeling that I had was that okay there is still life there there is still hope there you know there is still yeah there is still you know some sense that Newcastle are, are sort of uh, kicking which is obviously vitally vitally important I mean I sort of enjoyed it again which is not something you can say uh, say very often this yeah. season and they played well. I mean, they they played well. They had they all did. of these touches in the opponent's box. But I think the overwhelming 
feeling I got, you know, got from it was that just that really important sense that, okay, they're not done yet. There's still life here. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that was a feeling I got from it. Definitely. Chris, the, the system did change. Like, like George mentioned there, we went to five at the back, the split strikers are gone. Uh, well, are they, is this, is this a potential, uh, uh, a permanent change or do you think this was just Steve Bruce playing the, the, the team that was in front of him? I think it was more what I thought was different to when you say five at the back is actually this was very much a three at the back and the wing backs were so far advanced or managed to get so far advanced that I think it wasn't as negative as a lot of the system had been previously mm, before yeah. the recent sort of four, three, one, two formation. And I've been trying to be how, as I said earlier, how positive and negative I feel about this because it, there was there was quite a lot to be positive about compared to previously, but it, it also infuriated me in a lot of ways that a lot of the things that seemed to change were things that people have been saying needed to change for such a long time. For example, putting two strikers up front, um, actually having wingers on the pitch when you play those strikers. So Joe Linton, we said earlier in the season when he played against Burnley, when he played away at Crystal Palace with yes. another forward, two up top, he suited that. And we saw it was arguably his best performance for Newcastle. I mean, he still missed it. Finishing, obviously, is still his issue and he still missed some very big chances. But all around, he was excellent. And we have to commend him for that. And Gail helped him in that sense. But Gail missed some big opportunities. But the At players least they're creating them, though, Chris. They're creating the opportunities. That's what we've lacked, Well, well exactly. And they had had more shots from inside the box than they have in any game in Steve, during Steve Bruce's tenure so far. I think it was 17 from inside the penalty that's area. That's the key. Yeah, that's the key thing. So, but but you look at the other players who, who came in and did well. Matt Ritchie came in, and I think that what he brought was leadership for a start. He did. He maybe yeah. didn't come across necessarily on the TV, but even from where we sat further back in the box, you could just hear him shouting and cajoling at his teammates all yeah. the way through, demanding more. But also him and Jacob Murphy on both sides putting the ball in the box. Jacob Murphy's very direct takes on Reggion made him made him look foolish at times. Reggion, I thought yeah, he had him ghost at times. The other side, Matt Ritchie getting the box and getting the crosses in to the box. Sorry, early. Then you've got Sean Longstaff who is providing energy and that ability to press from midfield and that slightly more advanced role. And it's like these players have been available for the last two months. It is the it has been a decision not to play these players, and so as positive as I was in, in many ways about the way Newcastle performed, and that they prob they should have won the game. The, the reality was it, it, they didn't. But also, why is it taken until now? Why is it almost be, Bruce has been forced into this position to change things in this sense? And that's what that's what concerns me. And then, then it's also going forward, how sustainable. Is it? I mean, we'll get onto that in a second, but that was what I found frustrating as well. These players, you've had players who've been injured, you haven't been able to select. These players have been available, but it's been a decision not to play them and not to play the system. George, Newcastle did look a lot more balanced, didn't they? And, uh, and, and those wing backs were, were a massive part of that. Is this, do you think this is a potential sort of way forward for Newcastle playing like this? I mean, Matt, Matt Ritchie kind of just scared the entire team into, into continuing to go forward, didn't he, by the looks of it? Well, it was great to see Richie back and and you know doing all the things that we know Richie can do, including that sort of including that sort of voluble presence as well. I mean, you know, um, obviously we know we know all about that fallout he had with Steve Bruce and the repercussions yeah. of that. It was just great to see that sort of anger and energy and um, sort of attitude back. Exactly what wasn't there against Brighton. Yeah, I mean Brighton was awful. I mean it was genuinely awful. And you know, I think Chris and I both spoke to people after that within the you know within the camp who 
expected something to happen at that point or thought it might do and obviously it hasn't you do then wonder what tone that sets whether it's okay stuff's not going to happen we have to get on with this yeah. you know whether that's part of it in terms of the system though and the and and the wing backs I think you know if you if you go back to the start of the season we were talking about that sort of lack of identity that it felt that Newcastle was sort of bumbling between systems and formations and lineups and sort of struggling to find something Graham Jones comes in they do change formations. They play that role. It has has a bit of uplift, and then it sort of drifts away. I, I think I think the mistake. And I'm not saying it's our mistake. Perhaps it's Steve Bruce's mistake as well. It's that sense of doing something, finding something, and sticking to it religiously, come what may, until it mm. stops working, and yeah. then doing something else. Now, it would need someone who's much more au fait with tactics than I am to to be able to sort of look at Newcastle playing in this formation against Burnley and the challenges that they uh, present and know whether it can work or not. It's not about having a system and sticking to it. It's about having a system that can be flexible depending on who Newcastle are playing. And, you know, again, this takes us right back first game of the season, in fact, doesn't it? When Newcastle play quite well, uh, pretty well at West Ham, play exactly the same formation, exactly the same lineup against Brighton and are hammered. Yeah. So, you know, so it's not about it's not about finding a f- formation and sticking to it. It's about it's about it's about good tactics. It's about flexible tactics. Um, you know, it's about momentum and confidence and all that. I mean, Newcastle are an inconsistent team because they're not that good. Um, but anyway, yes, you hope that there's something there for them to build on, certainly. Chris, Newcastle are still far from safe, aren't they? Fulham at one point in the afternoon went 1-0 up against uh, Aston Villa and Newcastle momentarily dropped into the bottom three as things stood. Um, it's it, it's going to be tough this next few weeks, isn't it? Because we've, we've got some difficult games coming up and Fulham as well uh, are going to be looking to pick up points. I mean, what do you think Newcastle can do here to, to try and claw their way away from this the danger? Yeah, and Fulham play on Friday night, and so Newcastle, in theory, could start the game on Sunday in the bottom three. I think that psychologically there was a swing at the weekend because of the way that Fulham lost. I think that if they'd gone on and, and at least drawn, but certainly won, then I would fear that the backside might have dropped out on Newcastle. But it just feels like the last two games for Fulham were big opportunities, and they haven't taken either of them. And now, but now it's, it's over to Newcastle to actually grasp one. It is. As, as uplifting as parts of the performance were on Sunday, it's still t- it's only two it's two wins and twenty one now in all competitions, two and nineteen in the Premier League. They still couldn't beat Spurs, and Spurs were awful. They were they were, awful. They were terrible, and weren't they? I said to George last week, and I said to him on the day, after the game as well that I thought Spurs in some ways was more of an opportunity than Burnley. Oh because... right, Chris, don't show off and pretend you know what you're talking about. You <laughs> oh, thought they I were going to get we you Spurs. thought they were going to get a positive result at Brighton as well, and you were absolutely <laughs> hopelessly wrong about that. Even yeah. a even a stop clock is right twice a day. And you've done it um, once. Right. Well, but the point was I was right this this time, so I'm going to claim this one. Um, Fair enough. But, the, but when we talk about the formation and the way that it worked and the balance, I'd agree with you to a certain extent, but that's what George said about the, the, the formation and sort of sticking with it until it be, come what may. Part of the reason why I think it worked so well at Everton when they switched systems was it surprised them. I also think there was a shock element with Spurs at the weekend. I don't think they expected Newcastle yeah. to play in the way that they did. Yeah, definitely. Whether but That's not going to be the same with Burnley. But also you look at the personnel that Newcastle have and you think if Callum Wilson's fit, if Sam Maximan's fit enough to start, where 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 do all these players fit into the system? I, I, I don't see Alan Sam Maximan start. He came on and played up front. But I don't see Alan Sam Maximan starting up front in that formation. And he wouldn't start as a wing back, would he? 
No, well, exactly, yeah. I mean, interestingly, Ryan Fraser potentially could start a wing-back because he did for Scotland during the international break. But then Miguel Almiron, I still do, although he worked hard and he got back and, he, and he's still effective in so many ways, I think that it takes so much from him playing him in midfield because he, he isn't further forward in that number 10 position. He isn't able to sort of scan the pitch, pick and up on those pockets and get the ball. Chris. So it's a double, yes, it's a double pivot number 10. So <laughs> I just think... I think that it was it worked for Sunday, but I don't know if I'd necessarily if I necessarily think that this has to be the way forward now because it, Newcastle's best players I don't actually think suit the system they play in the minute the one that they played at the weekend. I'm not sure where all of them fit in together. I'm not saying don't play it at Burnley because there may be a way of doing that, but equally I just think it needs to be a sort of horses for courses sort of approach going forward rather than this team worked last weekend. We'll stick with it like happened with the first two games of the season when Newcastle went to West Ham, played 4-4-2-1, but then got hammered at home to Brighton because it wasn't thought of exactly this specific game. I do think it'll be interesting to see where all those players fit in going forward. It's a fascinating dynamic now with with Fulham because, as Chris says, things could have turned out very differently at the weekend and you wonder how psychologically... You know what what effect there would have been if Newcastle had played as they did against Spurs, but had still dropped into the bottom three. Now, obviously, that's not that's not happened. And although much has been kind of made of of Fulham's sort of recent form, they have now lost three in a row. And have they had their moment? You know, has that has that sort of happened? And yeah, okay, Newcastle. We know all those stats about Newcastle not winning for a long time, two and twenty one but they have drawn four out of the last five. So I don't want to use that phrase of Steve Bruce's, but at the moment, you know, that's what they're doing. They're ticking over. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they have been ticking over. And, you know, Fulham, Fulham won those three games against Everton, Sheffield and Liverpool, um, but they've come, a bit un, they've come a bit unstuck now. And so, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I can't get away from the fact that, you, you, you know, the, the the Burnley game looks huge. It looks like a massive opportunity for Newcastle if they can take it. Now they've been going into games, to my mind, um, attempting not to attempting not to lose. And as I say, it's allowed the it's allowed the scoreboard to tick over whilst they've had important players out, but it hasn't allowed them to you know to move to move ahead. It hasn't allowed them to make any kind of gap. Now can they rely on Fulham? not catching them up possibly they possibly can i mean we just don't know but you'd think that if newcastle are gonna you know gonna go for it this this is the game that they have to sort of do it for that they have to target absolutely with with the burnley game in mind as well we're going to be speaking to andy jones from the athletic in a little bit to talk about that but before we get into that let's cast our minds back to april 1998 the fa cup semi-final newcastle united v sheffield united here we go marker pretty aptly named Barter for Quinn, beaten out by Gibbon. Well, he might just have had an FA Cup final place on his left foot there. Inside Newcastle United struggling to get goals in the Premiership. With all this pressure, can they find one in the semi-final? And Alan Shearer has found one. Well, you felt it just had to come they've been pushing and pressing and probing and asking question after question and what a ball this is in an absolute peach by balance it's not a headed goal this time he just makes it inches before it's crossed the line follows it up 
this season. The Rockies. Dallas. And given. Keeps out Wayne Quinn again. Marty doing his job. Third stop Quinn. This has been such a troubled season for Newcastle, but it will end at Wembley in the FA Cup final. Alan Shearer has seen to that. They will now face Arsenal on May the 16th. The two uh, Halcyon days, George. Seems like forever ago, doesn't it? Yes. Was it Halcyon days? Yeah, I suppose it was. Yeah, I mean, like... Kind of. Uh, kind of, yeah. It was a weird season, that, though, and it was... It was, wasn't it? And it wasn't sort of... It certainly wasn't sweetness sweetness and light. I mean, it had some incredible moments, because that was also the Barcelona Champions League season, if I remember rightly. But, um, you know, that season began with Ginola leaving and Ferdinand being sold and Shearer being injured. And so it was a very, very tough season in terms of uh, the league. And it sort of felt pretty shit in that sense. But and I think did Aspria then leave in the January as well? Um, I might have got that wrong. Oh god. Anyway, but they <laughs> had that incredible run. They did have that great run in the FA Cup all the way to the to the final. They did. Um, and uh, the first of two. And yeah, this was a great this was a great moment on the way. It was that that cup run was almost made a bit of a priority when the league form looked like Newcastle weren't going to get anything out of the season as far as the league was concerned. It was almost like they threw everything into the cup and and the run was, you know, it was was really made a priority that season, Chris. Newcastle ended up uh, against Sheffield United at Old Trafford in a, a game which was pretty unremarkable, really, apart from the, the result and and where it took us. But what what a strange time in the club's history. Yeah, and I mean, it was basically, it was almost a one-man mission from Alan Shearer to get them to it that was. final as well. He scored in just about every round. I don't think he scored in the first round. Ian Rush, I think, in the first round wasn't against Everton, but then just about every other round he scored. And the goal itself, am I right? It's, it's John, John Barnes, Barnes, I think, across the ball, isn't it? Yeah, he didn't do, he didn't do much ball. for Newcastle, but it was a wonderful ball. That, that that goal, I love that goal because it's it's almost the most Alan Shearer thing I've ever seen, which is that he heads it down, the goalkeeper saves it, and then he thinks, I'm not letting this be saved. I'm just going to bludgeon it into the goal. And he slams it in from approximately three inches out. Uh, a great finish, George. And just a typical Alan Shearer moment of not giving up on on something. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the other the other side of that, game with the chances that fell to Andreas Anderson. Oh my who, god, yeah. Who obviously had a pretty disastrous spell at Newcastle. There was I'm sure there was one chance um when he like hit the ground instead of the ball and then there was another chance he was put through and yes. uh, and passed passed kind of pretty horribly. Um and he had yeah. wonderful hair though. He did. For he did a boy band member he did, yes. Yeah with that you, you wouldn't go into society with that, would you? <laughs> Let's no. be honest. The one that stands no. out in my mind for Andreas Anderson is the the one on one when he falls, and the ball kind of goes behind him, hits his heel, and then almost trickles in. Yeah, somebody clears it off the yeah. line, and you just think, my God, that sums it up, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Also, Gary Speed hit the post as well, uh, and there was a few opportunities for Newcastle, That's and right. also Shea Given made a few decent saves at the other end. Um, Eventually, Newcastle went on to lose the final 2-0 uh, to a rampant Arsenal at Wembley. Uh, but the, the the Sheffield United game itself, I remember 
my my best mate at the time, Stephen, went to the game um, with his dad. I didn't get to go to the game, unfortunately. I wish I'd been there, but he he recounted uh, the tale to me of the noise in the ground and the almost like the feeling of that stand at Old Trafford, which had not long been built as well, by the way. It was, wasn't long after they'd opened that big stand at Old Trafford. He said it felt like it was bouncing and moving with all the Newcastle fans that were in the stand. And he, he has a very vivid memory of feeling like the stand was actually moving during the game. Uh, just astonishing scenes and, and, and a wonderful atmosphere as well, George. Yeah, and it was that it, it was that time. I mean, I know I said that sort of in the league things hadn't gone hadn't gone too well, and obviously, you know, the the, the money had dried up for Kenny at the start of the season, yeah. certainly, and that you know you you sort of you wonder what had happened, what would have happened if Ferdinand had stayed, and I'm sure he does, and uh, you know we we all do, but you, the, the the team was sort of transitioning after Keegan, but they were still competing, and it was still a time when they got to. You know, when they got to finals, they would do the same thing under Hullet the following season when, yes. you know, things were things really were sort of declining. But they were good enough and had good enough players to actually compete in those um, in those competitions. I mean, both of the finals were were horrible and they were very well unlucky. I mean, I don't know if that's the right word, but they were they were. They were unlucky to play. Arsenal did the double that season, didn't they? I think. Yes. Yes. That um, rings a bell. And then the following season, Man United were on the way to doing the trouble. That's so right, yeah. they played two absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal teams. And you know, sadly, both of those finals were were sort of. I was I was at them both, and they were they were pretty horrible occasions. But yeah, they were they were up there and competing. It can happen. What we give for a bit of that magic, eh, Chris, a cup semi final that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Yes, and I mean, Newcastle have had opportunities to to get to to semi finals in recent years and flopped. Massively, uh, I mean, the fact that they've even got the quarterfinals has been a huge achievement. But <laughs> yeah. then, but then getting turned over by uh, by Brentford's reserves wasn't wasn't exactly a wonderful moment, was it? But um, yes, I mean, that was a time where the the, the idea was to try and win something. And yeah. he, although Kenny Dalglish's time didn't work, it was he brought been brought in because he was a serial winner, both as a player and a manager. Yeah, and it was to follow on from Keegan, and it was to build. And then it was after him, it was Ruud Hull, it'll be the man who wins something. Then Sir Bobby. Whereas now it's Steve Bruce will be the man to keep Newcastle up, and whoever the next person will be, if Mike Ashley stays in charge, it'll be he's the man to try and keep us up. That is, unfortunately, the sum total of the ambition at the minute. 23 years ago this week, Newcastle United won, Sheffield United nil in the FA Cup semi-final. Wonderful stuff. Let's move on. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
So looking forward to the, what do we call it, a relegation six-pointer? I don't know if it is really, is it? Uh, against Burnley this weekend, uh, we have got the Athletics Andy Jones with us today. Thanks for joining us, Andy. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. Um, Burnley, bit of a strange one. Funny funny result of the weekend. Ended up losing to uh, to Southampton after being in control of the game. Is that is that a standard practice for Burnley? Not really. It was a bit of an inter- a, a, sort of a surprise, really. I mean, they were they were excellent for the first half an hour and 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 sort of deserved to be two 0 up. And they were clinical in the chances they created and and played really well in, in sort of stopping Southampton and in, in terms of the transition um, and sort of took the chances. But then the game just sort of changed. And I mean, they sort of called it a bit of naivety, which is something you, you don't associate with Burnley. Um, generally, when they take the lead in a game. Um, they're really, really good at sort of controlling it and managing it. Um, I think it was the first time that they'd lost a, a game from being 2 0 up since January 2015. So that sort of goes to show. Uh, to be fair, they're not really 2 0 up in many games. Um, it has yeah. to be said. Another but feeling. It, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it was strange how they just sort of they just lacked. It, it was weird. It was so controlled and calm. And then it sort of went to, to chaotic and, and careless. And and there was sort of an inevitability about Southampton once they got sort of the foothold in the game um, that they were going to sort of go on and win it. Um, Bernie were really open, which is not something you associate with them. And, and they sort of described the second half as a bit of a ding-dong after it had gone 2-2. And, but it's not the type of game that Bernie really like. Um, and, and it was, you know, they're much more suited to that first half an hour where they controlled it. And, you know, it's, it's a really disappointing one because to be in the position they had been... And could have could have taken them on another three points and another you know step massive step forward to safety. Um, so it's one that we'll reflect on and be really disappointed in. Yeah, so I mean Burnley would have jumped above Southampton if they'd won as well. So are, they, are Burnley feeling safe at the minute? Is it is it potential that they could get sucked back in? There's always a team that does, isn't there? Uh, is that something that's on the mind? I think there's there's still a confidence among the group that. Um, that they'll be all right. I mean, they've been in this this type of situation before, so they, they're experienced and no one has to deal with it. Um, I mean, at, at the games after the the, the Burnley Southampton game was a bit up and up and down in terms of the roller coaster of, you know, Fulham taking the lead, Newcastle taking the lead, and and Brighton taking the lead, and and you're thinking, oh, they're going to be back in it, they're going to be back in it. But unfortunately, the results did go the way in the end with, with only Newcastle taking taking a point. So. They, they sort of they sort of got away with one really, but it, equally then it you look back at the, the two 0 position they were in and you think you know they, they could really have have made that gap, which seems comfortable at the minute. You know it's a cushion of, of sort of I think it's seven points, um, but yeah it's it's just that that frustration and, and and you can get you know I mean if they if they lose on on uh, on Sunday then you know they will they will be right right back in it I guess because you know that that gap will have will have closed and. Depending on what Fulham do, of course, um, as, as well. Um, but no, that generally the, there's a sort of there's a belief and the confidence that they've got enough to stay up, and they've got I think they've got sort of three big games that you sort of circle in terms of the Newcastle and then Fulham away and Chef, Sheffield United on the final day that you sort of look at and go, if they sort of get two wins out of them, you're probably going to be all right. Andy, I mean, Burnley is one of the, one of the few teams Newcastle have actually managed to beat so far this season. Um, <laughs> and on the day, from what I, my recollections of that game were that Burnley were, were pretty poor. I mean, it was early in the season. It was when Burnley seemed to really start the season very slowly. But will Burnley be looking at Sunday as in this is, well, is it certainly a must not lose for Burnley rather than, I suppose, a must win? 
It's it's an interesting one. I think if I think it's certainly one that I think it's definitely a must must not lose. Um, ideally, obviously, you'd like to win it, but they've had a number of these games at home, um, sort of since February. You look at sort of Brighton, West Brom, and Fulham, where they were all sort of because of the position Burnley got themselves in, where it was must it was basically must not lose, and they did because they drew them all. But then you look at it and go, they should have probably won at least two of them in terms of. You know, the dominance in the game and the chances they had and the goals they conceded were, were disappointing. Um, but I think it's got to that point now where it's an accum- you, you're just trying to accumulate points, oh, aren't you? Don't, don't start going on about oh, the Lord, accumulation of <laughs> God's sake. We're hearing nothing else every week, man. We came to you for something different. Well, I mean, but that's but that that's what Burnley have been doing because they've had so many draws and, and you look at it and go, well, they're not winning games, but they are just... Just about keeping their heads above water, which is which is the main thing. But I think they'll go into it wanting to win the game, um, and I think I mean doing that would would give them a massive boost. Um, All right. Well, to, to 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 slightly rephrase that question, then I mean Newcastle, you would think really do have to target this game. I mean it's the, it's been the same thing. You talk about the accumulation of points. Newcastle have drawn four four out of the last five games, albeit they've only won two in twenty one or whatever it is. But after Burnley. For Newcastle, it's West Ham, it's Liverpool, it's Arsenal, it's Leicester, it's Man City before they play Sheffield United at Fulham at the end. So they Newcastle really, you would think, have to try and uh, set up to 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 get a win. So my question to you is: I mean, I think if we if you say the word Burnley, you have an idea in your head about how how Burnley play. How are they playing at the moment, and what do you think Newcastle can and should expect at the weekend? Well, they seem to have, I mean, before the international break, and it was even sort of there against Southampton, is they seem to have improved in, in sort of going forward and, and being able to create chances and opportunities. And, and they found a really nice partnership in, in Chris Wood and, and Matty Vids, who hadn't really, despite being at the club for a number of seasons, yeah, they hadn't really sort of played together at any point so then, up until recently. And, and that's given them a really good sort of foundation up top to then to be able to press high and, and with Black McNeil and Gubbinson as the two wide players gives them a really nice balance and and then you, you can push your, your sort of two central midfielders on in probably Josh Brown and Ashley Westwood to to put a high press on on, on Newcastle and that's what they'll they'll try and do. Um and then it's it's about the transition game and, and, and getting back into that, you know, the solid shape that they the were that the famous for and, and and which is so structurally sound, which which surprisingly wasn't there against Southampton. So I think that's what Newcastle are going to expect. It's going to be barely going to Dice sort of mentioned that they got away from the basics against Southampton, which is something aside very rarely do. Um, and there's no doubt for the you know the next the next few days and saying they'll be drilling that back into the players and, and the players experienced enough to know that you know that, that that it wasn't good enough on on, on Sunday and and um, you know that they, they'll be back to you would expect them to be back to the way they are where they keep it very tight, they try and limit you know the spaces. I mean, Sit Maximan I think is going to be a big player for Newcastle and he, he didn't play in the in the game last season at Turf Moor, and I think that was a, a massive difference in terms of just his ability to carry the ball and stretch the play, which is it's not something that Burnley, you know, like when when someone has the pace and because Burnley aren't aren't really a quick team, um, so he could have a you know play a big factor if he starts or off the bench in that type of role. Andy, are you are you petrified by the return of Jeff Hendrick? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Christopher, uh, think, you do crack uh, me up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, I mean, is he? I, I don't think he's. Is he going to start? Not, no. I, I, I doubt Hopefully it. not. No. Um, so I would say. Oh, <laughs> I would, well, that's your opinion. <laughs> I would. I certainly wouldn't say petrified. Um, I think it's. I mean, it's been an interesting move, hasn't it, for him in terms of it's not really. You know, it's not probably worth as as well as he would have liked to at all. Um, but yeah, no, I think he's certainly not one of the big threats that you look at is it when, when Newcastle are coming in terms of how they're going to create and, and how they're going to score goals. I, I have a sort of uh, a daft question to throw at you as well to put on the spot a little bit. Uh, one of the beauties of The Athletic is that we do have a writer for every, at least one writer for every single uh, Premier League club. And I would uh, urge our subscribers to to check out Andy's stuff on Burnley, A, because it's brilliant, but also because it will give you a nice taste of the mood, mood there leading up to this massive match. But my question, Andy, is this. It's something I'm kind of fascinated by. It's how other people from outside of the region look upon Newcastle. Look upon our club. So my question to you is quite simple. Newcastle United, WTF, question mark. <laughs> I don't really know how to take that. Um, I th- I th- it's, it's a weird one with Newcastle because I always continue to be surprised with sort of the, the troubles that they seem to have. I mean, looking at the start of the season and, and sort of it seemed like they they'd sort of found that you know, a way of play and a style of, of play. And, and even a couple of times throughout the season, they've seemed to have found a system or, you know, a couple of players in form who were linking well. And then and then it all just sort of disappears. And it's it's not just this season. It's it's a case of over a number of seasons. I mean, even with, with sort of with Rafa and, and things like that. And you're sort of constantly ask, like, constantly asking the question of, well, they were doing that well a couple of months ago, but now where's that gone? And it's 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 very bizarre, and I continue to sort of rack my brains as to why that's the case and how on earth, um, you know, or why they can't be more consistent with the players they've got because I think they've got a good squad, um, generally. It, but for some reason, and, and injuries obviously don't help. And I think Newcastle have had a lot of them, you know, over a number of years. Especially, I mean, sort of, I remember the defensive crisis that they've had at, at certain points. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's odd that they continue to find themselves in, in this type of position and um, and I don't think anyone can really work out why or how to change. Well, I've been spending 50, 50, I've been spending 50 yeah. years trying to do exactly that. So yeah, we've been trying to do that. It's not just me being sick. Um, yeah, no, excellent. Andy, um, just just thinking about Sean Dyche as well. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm absolutely terrified of Sean Dyche. I don't know how you feel about him, but... I, <laughs> He scares the bejesus out of me. He's the probably the, the Premier League manager you'd least like to knock over his pint onto his barber jacket, isn't he? He's, you, you, you know, I just there's something menacing about him. Um, it, it, is he is he happy at Burnley? Do you think he's? I mean, he's been there a long time, hasn't he? Is he likely to stay? Well, the first the first thing on, on Dice himself, he's he's really really funny, um, and he, you'll see that in in some press conferences. But I mean, the, the lucky like he's one which sort of took off on took off on social media. That is that is him sort of most weeks. Um, I mean, he, he regularly takes the absolute mick out of my my haircut, um, which is looking horrific at the moment because I've not had a cut since November because of lockdown. Yeah, I know. Um, we, 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 we haven't yeah, noticed I, that you've refused to do this on video, Andy. 
<laughs> yeah, that is part of the reason. Although I'm <laughs> counting down the days to I can get my haircut, but Lego Ed is the nickname that I've I've, um, I've been given um, for my for my haircut, and now it, it looks even worse than what a Lego head does now um, because of how long it is. Do you not have a go back at him and, and mention his? Do you not have a go back and mention his disc beard, or do you I, just I, leave I that alone? Dare. I don't think I'm a. I'm not As you say, rip you off, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I might not be allowed onto the next Zoom if that was the case. So, um, but yeah, no, in in, in, in yeah. terms of his future, I mean, it, it is the big question, really. And I sort of wrote a sort of a column on it recently about you know he's coming to i think it's 15 months left in the summer it'll be 12 months left of his contract and it's it's the big sort of decision and the big you know it's it's a, it's it's approaching a point of where it's going to be a massive you know potentially a massive shift in, in Burnley's history because him staying would be would be superb i mean all the supporters want him to stay um because of the the way he's done the culture he's built and and he gives you that you know the that stability of playing of staying in the Premier League really, and, and you expect him, and him and his team to to do that again this season and stay up. Um, but it, it, the links to, to other clubs and and won't go away. And I think ALK when they when they walked through the door, Burnley's new owners in, in December made made it quite clear that they want Dice to stay for as long as possible, and and they'll I think they'd offer him a contract for for life if possible because of just how well he's done. Um, so that sort of puts the decision in, 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 in Dice's hands. And I mean, as he continues to stay, like he continues to say he's still here um, whenever he's asked about his future. And I mean, that is factually accurate. Well, exactly. Um, and, and you can't sort of question him on that. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting because those links don't go away and, and it's whether he, he sees, you know, an opportunity for, for a new challenge um, or whether he feels like he's, he's taken Burnley as far as he can. And I think this this summer could be very, very interesting in terms of, you know, if there are, you know, Crystal Palace, for example, is the club he's always linked with in terms of what they do with Roy Hodgson and if there's a, a vacancy there. And and also it'll be very interesting, I think, for him to see how ALK can back him. Um, you know, he spoke numerous times um, about, you know, the, the former board and how it's, it's always difficult in the transfer market for Burnley. ALK have, have sort of indicated that they want to make that process a lot better and and sort of it's not going to be revolution, it's more evolution, but you would like to think there's going to be more money available. Um, so I think that will also factor in in terms of, because I think that would help them, because Bailey do need to evolve the squad. It's it's getting, it's creeping up in terms of age um, and they do need to start bringing in sort of the next cycle, if you like, of players. And, and they have started to do that, but that needs to continue. Um so yeah, so it's it's very interesting, and I think it's it's difficult to say because you just don't you don't quite know what what opportunities are going to come along. And but he 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 enjoys working at Burnley. You know, he's proud of what he's built. He loves the players that he's got at his disposal and, and working with them day in day out. So um, it's it's sort of a wait and see, but it, it is a big decision, and, and it's it, you know it will probably determine you know it's going to be, go a long way in determining sort of Burnley's future moving forwards as to what he does. Thanks a lot, Andy. We're going to wrap it up there. It's been great having you on. Cheers for joining us and, uh, and for giving us all that info about Burnley. No problem. Thanks for having me. The next time you're allowed in a pub, sit with some friends. You're probably only allowed three, but anyway, sit with some friends or something and you look for lucky likers. Brilliant. Brilliant fun. We were playing away at Sunderland and a, a live human version of the man up in up was there and I said the lads right but the staff went oh my god lads I've got the best one ever I've got the best one ever I was nudging around the table because he was just literally at the bar there and I was nudging and I was going 
fell out of up. Oh my God, they were crying. They were crying. It's the best looky likey up ever. It literally was the cartoon man out of up, but in a human <laughs> form. It was bizarre. And I went, oh my God, that is actually him. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. We are returning to the great Newcastle United pub quiz. It has been a little while. The pub this week that I have chosen isn't actually in the city of Newcastle. It is across the river uh, in Gateshead. And it is a wonderful little bar uh, down by the riverside called The Schooner. Do we know The Schooner? Do, yeah. Wonderful beef sandwiches. Oh, they do. They do They do incredible food in The Schooner, by the way, as well. Uh, a wonderful bar for live music. Chris just relates everything back to meat. <laughs> Everything gets related to meat. They actually do. I, I, I tell you what, I had something from there not long ago. I got a delivery, and it was a it was a cheeseburger pizza. Right now, my <laughs> cholesterol levels going up just talking about this, but it was it was a it was a half pound burger wrapped in pizza dough. What? <laughs> with tomato sauce inside. What, and then what baked, alchemy is this? Baked what in the alchemy? oven. George, honestly, man, I'm telling you, I couldn't move for about three days after I had it, but it was, <laughs> it was wonderful stuff. Bloody delicious. Uh, anyway, yeah. So um, that's the pub we're going to be using. Uh, cast your minds back to 2017. Uh, the game that we are going to be thinking about today, uh, we're going to do our classic penalty shootout starting 11, uh, is Newcastle United v Burton Albion. What? <laughs> In 2017 at St. James's Park. Oh, you're not going to ask for the referee's name, are you? Oh, when, <laughs> we're not going to ask for the referee's name. Oh, that game against Burton. Okay, okay. So they're like the double penalty, called? whatever. That's the one. I, I think... No, I don't know who the referee is. Well, Kevin Friend, was it? Was Kevin? No, it wasn't. Kevin Nobody's Friend. Um, oh, God, that amazing game where Rafa absolutely lost the plot. He lost his marbles in that yes. game. We talked about this recently. We did talk about it recently. Uh, but what we want is the start oh, 11 God, from Newcastle, oh, and we're going to do a penalty shootout style. Um, who would like to go first, Chris or George? Let's have a thing. Heads or tails, Chris? Me. Tails. <laughs> Is it tail? Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'll let George go first so he doesn't have too much of a paddy. Uh, well, I was going to say you're a coward for letting me do that, but that's fine. Uh, I, as I wanted to go first. All right, so hang on. So when you... Oh, it was the referee. Was, it was Keith Stroud, wasn't it? The referee. Oh, okay. Keith Stroud, that's who's going. I knew, I knew it had a K. I knew you had so, a K in it. Okay, here we go. Uh, there's 11 players. Uh, penalty shootout format. Taking turns. If we have a draw at the end, we shall move on to substitutes. Okay. No chance. So, no chance it's going to get that far. George, are we going? Are you going first? Yeah, I'm going to go first. Okay. I can remember. I can. I'm pretty sure I was there that night, and I can remember who scored. It was Matt Ritchie. 
Matt Ritchie is correct. That's one to George, one nil. Chris? Uh, Dwight Gale. Reasonable, reasonable. One, one. Yeah, fairly straightforward. Dwight Gale. So these are these are all people who played at the weekend. That's quite funny. Um, <laughs> actually, it's it, it's not just funny. It's um, sort it's of terrifying, isn't it? T- t- terrifying, yeah. And I think <laughs> Paul Dummett would be another one. Correct. Two under George. Paul Dummett is right. I'm going to go for another one. Well. John Joe Shelby, I think, was probably playing. Correct. John Joe Shelby. Two two. And captain, my captain. Jamal Lascelles. I didn't Correct, like Jamal Lascelles. 3-2 to George. Pressure now, Chris. Um, Iose Perez. Correct, 3-3. Oh. Three, three. Oh, attention. I'm, st- I'm struggling now and I can't think. Uh, I can't think who was the keeper. I wonder if it was Elliot or Darlow. Um, I'll say Rob Elliot. Incorrect, oh, George. Bollocks. It was the final three games of the season he was brought in for, I think, Elliot. Was it? Shit. Incorrect. Chris, you could take... So I'm going to say Carl Darlow. <laughs> oh, fuck. Sorry. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was obvious. That was Four, obvious. 4-3 right? leads to Chris... Uh, right, so who played, who else played in the championship? Um, Modi Army? Correct. Now, Chris, Oof. Oof. if you get this one, you win. Yeah, it's 4 4 at the moment, but you it's your penalty. You've got one in hand. Who was the other fullback? Was it Yedlin or was it Anita? There was three players left in the starting 11. If you if you uh, don't get it, we will carry on in sudden death mode. I should have done the formation. I haven't written these down. Edlin or Anita. Uh, I am going to go for Vernon Anita. Correct. Ugh. Was he playing in midfield or was he playing in defence? He was playing in defence. He was playing at right back. There you go, Chris. You've won. Congratulations. I don't mind. George is never going to win a one of these again, is he? I don't think I am, but I mean, this the penalty format, shootout format is good, but it doesn't certainly doesn't suit me. This was recent enough for me to have some sort of <laughs> some sort of memory of it. The I didn't disgrace myself. Format there. was your idea, George, as well. You yes, but it was my idea. This. It was my idea for you two. All right, um, okay. But, but I didn't disgrace myself there. That's 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 the important thing. Yeah, I'm annoyed. Didn't. Darlo, Darlo Elliot. That's annoying. And of course, I did say I did then say it out loud. Although that was so. Obvious. Which are the other two positions we're missing? Let's see. So the other two uh, positions we are missing are uh, at centre defender, central defence, and Mbemba. Correct. Oh, nice. uh, and a wide midfielder. You mean like a winger? Gufran. Um, no. Gufram was on the bench. Atsu? Christy Natsu, yes, that's right. Oh, okay. Uh, on the bench as well that day, Rob Elliott, George. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Gamez, remember him? Oh, Jesus Gamez. Jesus Gamez. Masadio Haidara. Grant Hanley, remember him? Grant Hanley. Yeah, yeah, Rafa always talked about. 
how important he and Murphy were to the to the squad. That's right. Was Murphy. Daryl Murphy was there. Sammy Amiobi yeah. and Johan Gufran as well. And the game, obviously memorable for the the incident regarding Matt Ritchie uh, with the penalty, which was taken, disallowed, retaken, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, we're just talking about that. I mean, it's pretty amazing looking at that team in all seriousness. So Darlow, who's been pivotal this season, Dummett, who's back in the team, Lascelles, who's still captain, Ritchie, who was really important at the weekend, Shelby, who plays pretty much every week, um, and Dwight Gale. I mean, that's what, have I just named six players there? You have. So, um, <laughs> it's a shame you couldn't do that before when we were doing the quiz. All right, smart house. I could have done those six <laughs> players. That's the point. Chris named some of them. Oh, but but they're still absolutely fundamental to this team now. I mean, so that tells you it, there's there's a couple of ways of looking at that. Firstly, Newcastle still rely on the core of players who brought them up, and that's a good thing. Because they have, you know, that sense of team and togetherness and spirit and all those sorts of things, which they do. But it also sort of hints at the fact that Newcastle have not massively progressed since then. It does, doesn't it? Um, that's another way of putting it. Absolutely. Well, there you go, chaps. Let's wrap things up. Anything to add before we, uh, before we say bye-bye? I don't think so. No. Chris? Uh, enjoy the festival of fun on Sunday. <laughs> Thank you. You're I'm going. About, I'm going. The Burnley game, Chris. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, how, how, it's basically synonymous Burnley Newcastle with that. That's kind of phrase. It is definitely right. Well, thanks a lot, chaps. And remember, uh, get yourselves onto theathletic.com uh, forward slash Newcastle Pod for the forty percent subscription offer. Uh, and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Pod on the Tyne. We'll speak to you soon. Bye bye. Martian. Right. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, yeah, Andy. Appreciate Andy, that. Nice to chat to you. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Oh, you sound, dear. Like, you, you sound like you've done 80 Marlborough. I sound words. like Sean. I sound like Sean Dice today. You actually do. You should have oh, done right, Sean lads. Dice. I tell you what we're going to do today. This is what we're going to do today. Okay. We're going to talk about Burnley. <laughs> no, that's the, that's the Middlesbrough. That's the Middlesbrough, Sean Dice. That's oh. <laughs> No, it's mythical. That was mythical. Sean oh, no. Hang on. no, no, that's Mick McCarthy I was doing there. Hang on. Sean Dyche. I can't, Sean I don't Dyche. know how Sean Dyche talks. Oh, it's mythical. That, it, he's no. very, he's very gravelly though, isn't it? He's very gravelly. He's down no, you, there. That's Manchester. You do, you're doing Coronation Street. Liam Gallagher. Yeah. yeah, you're doing Coronation Street. I think, let's Street. agree that I can't do a Sean Dyche impression. <laughs> yeah. Chris, are you going to contribute here? No. I don't right, do impressions. Fair enough. The Athletic.